Good morning, everybody. If you want a suntan, you can go ahead and come up a little closer. You seem so far away. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning, and uh, we're here to praise the Lord. I want to hear you guys because you're so far back. I want to hear you singing loud. Let's wake up our neighbors this morning with the joy of the Lord. In Psalm 8, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Let's say that together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Go ahead and stand up and let's say that again this morning. Shout it out. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father God, we praise you. We thank you for the ability to join here together this morning and worship you, Lord. We praise you, creator of the universe, for you're worthy, Lord, to be praised. Thank you, Father God. Let's rejoice together and sing to the world why we worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he came and gave his only begotten Son. Let's sing God so loved. Come all you weary Come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. Bring all your failures. Bring all your failures. Bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. See his open arms for God so loved the world that he gave us. His one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. Oh God. 
all that he gave us his one and only son to save for god so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Oh, he's so good. Let's give him praise this morning. Make a joyful noise. Hallelujah. God is so good. And we can. We can bring our failures, bring our addictions, bring our problems and complaints and sorrows and grief and lay them at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. We're going to sing a brand new song for our church called Goodness of God. And really meditate on these words, sing them out, and make praise to our Lord. Let's adore him this morning. He is so worthy to be praised. Psalm 9 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds, and I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The enemy hates it when we sing praise to our Lord. So let's glorify him and put the enemy under our feet this morning. Sing about his goodness. Of the goodness of God. 
let's sing your goodness. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Sing your goodness. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything, yeah. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will see the goodness of God. Oh, yes, sing. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. the goodness of God. Yes, Lord, you are so good. Hallelujah. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, Jesus Jesus, the name above every other Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, 
just the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you with your spirit, Father. Give us the grace that we need to be like you and to show those around us your love. Now speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let's give them a hand. Oh, man. Good morning. Good morning. I would say Jesus. Man, it is so good to see you guys this morning. Um, is the microphone on? I can't tell. Yeah, I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Turn it up. If you're, if it's too, oh, there, there I am. Oh man. Uh, hey. Good morning. My name is uh, Jesse. If we haven't met yet. Uh, and when we're outside, it's hard for me to uh, get to know everyone and see everyone because of the way we exit uh, out of here. So if I don't have a chance to meet you, um, uh, please reach out to me or, or contact the office. But if you are new, good to have you with us. Uh, for the most part, I get to do the preaching and the teaching here. I, I uh, am a, a recent um, uh, overcomer of the COVID. And so I am healed and I am, I am repaired. Yep. Amen. 
I have these things called natural antibodies now. I can't get you sick. Uh, as far as I know, I can't. And so, um, and hey, you know, we figured, what's interesting is when, when everything went down last year, Wayne got COVID. On the heels of Wayne getting COVID, we, we moved outside. And then we just decided to bookmark with me getting it and then moving outside. And so now we're back outside. And uh, I just want to say a big personal thank you to Brad Knoll and Caleb for stepping up over the last couple weeks while we were gone. Uh, getting us out here and they've really put in a lot of extra work. I don't know if you know this Caleb's got high school camp coming up And so uh, he's been really spread thin and all of that. So let, let, let's just do a little bit of uh, a church business here Things that are on my heart and then um, we'll get into uh, The book of Habakkuk. We're actually gonna finish it uh, this morning, but I want to mention a couple things that are pretty neat um, number one if you've noticed uh, Everything's digital right now while we're outside and so if you need some help, there's these little QR codes uh, all over the campus, just pull your camera up and uh, a link will pop up that'll give you all of our lyrics, a giving link. Uh, there are giving boxes in the back. You can do that on uh, online at sbctrucky.com uh, and all of that. And then I don't know if you know this or not, but a, a several weeks back, uh, the town of Truckee decided they were gonna cancel all the 4th of July kind of celebrations. And do you know that uh, 4th of July is on a Sunday this year? Did you know that? So here's what we're doing for you on 4th of July. I'm really excited about it. We're going to feed you tri-tip. Yeah. If you're a vegetarian, we got some killer eggplant coming. I don't, we're going to grill some eggplant for you. Uh, there's a gentleman that goes to our church. He has a booth that he uses for weddings. He's going to set up and feed all of us um, ice cream sundaes. Uh, oh, no, root beer floats, root beer floats uh, for the kids. So we're going to have that set up for you. And so we're going to celebrate 4th of July. We got VBS coming up for the kids. Uh, July 12th through 15th, uh, and then we need help still <clears throat> on Sunday mornings for setup. So this doesn't just all pop up. Uh, it takes a little bit of work to set up, and there's a sign-up sheet uh, out back if you want to show up a little early on Sundays and put your hands to the plow and make sure that Sunday mornings uh, looks great. Appreciate all of you being flexible with the parking uh, and all of those different things. And then let me uh, let me share something with you that's on my heart, and um, and we'll just see what happens. Okay. Um, so our church, by God's grace, has continued to grow uh, and thrive in the midst of, of COVID and all of that. And uh, that's not the case I'm uh, for all churches. I actually uh, am in contact with a church that was about 2,000 people, 2,000 people strong. And a uh, great church, really appreciate them. But they made a decision uh, to follow all the CDC guidelines. They made a decision uh, to encourage their people to stay home through the entire season. Now that they're trying to get back uh, into full-time Sunday morning attendance and all of that, uh, they have shrunk to 500 people, uh, really because uh, many of those, those individuals needed to go somewhere like many of you have here uh, to find fellowship and to find healing and for your souls to be strengthened in this season. And so that's just God's grace on our behalf that we're growing. And we have been growing for a few years and it's been exciting and God, you know, took our church from a little bar. We started in a bar on a Sunday morning because it was the only place that was closed about 60 years ago. Somebody built this building, which is called Ray Hall right here. And that used to be the sanctuary. Then somebody else came along, cast a vision to build the sanctuary that's next door where we're inside. When we're inside, that's where we're at. And um, now we're in a place where we're asking God, what do you want us as a church to do for the next generation? Now, um, I don't know if you noticed, a sign popped up a couple weeks ago out here for a beautiful piece of property that sits right along uh, next to us. 
And uh, there was a, a point in time where the church had an opportunity to buy all this land behind us, and we weren't able to do it uh, because we weren't in a place financially to do so. And um, uh, this piece of property back here is it's, it's really, really uh, an incredible piece of property. And the good news is it's only $3 million. Yeah, so bust out your paychecks. Get your checks ready. Okay, no, let me share this with you because I don't know. I'm, I'm not a building expert. Uh, I'm not a planning expert. I'm not a building guy. Um, we're talking big money here, but here's the deal. I would hate to miss an opportunity for us to be able to purchase more land in the name of Jesus Christ to build his kingdom in this community. And that doesn't mean God wants us to have that land. I'm not prophesying. But I'm throwing it out there that if you are somebody who maybe you could financially help seed that, maybe you're uh, more of an expert than I am in what it looks like to raise funds for something like that, because there are other pieces of property that are available uh, other than this one. This is, uh, I believe, almost close to nine acres. Some of it is not buildable. Um, uh, I think seven of it is buildable, which would be more than enough, but we have parking problems, all that. So, uh, and I'm also thinking beyond even Pastor Jesse and Pastor Brad and you know, hey, I would hate to see us lose that opportunity. So if you have the skills, you have the resources, would you please reach out to me and let's just dream and uh, possibly see if God would have us uh, have some more land or whatever it is that God wants us uh, to do. So we're trying to pray for that and see what God has. Amen? All right. Um, I think that's all I want to talk about this morning. Uh, other than next week in Children's Church, all of the grade levels uh, that your kids are in, they're all moving to the next grade level uh, next week. And then starting this month, if you have kids that are moving into junior high or senior high, uh, they're able to do that uh, this as soon as possible as well. Okay, would you stand with me if you're able to this morning? Uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, I'm not going to read all of it, um, but I want you to see it, whether it's in your, your Bible or in your Bible on your phone. And um, this is the conclusion. So if you remember... This prophet has seen God's people go from thriving uh, to no longer thriving. They, they're walking with God. God has been blessing them. They've had the temple. Now, all of a sudden, God's people have turned their back on God. They've worshiped, they're worshiping other idols. Uh, they're seeking after things that, that are not from the Lord. They're mingling their faith, if you will, with the rest of the culture and the rest of the world. And Habakkuk is crying out saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen and God says, I'm going to bring the Babylonians and the Assyrians along the path of the Israelites, and I'm actually going to use this wicked nation to bring them back to me. And, and Habakkuk's wrestling with it. Why are you using someone that's more wicked than us to, to, to punish us, to bring us closer to you? And God responds, and he essentially says that through using wickedness, through using hurt and pain, that he's going to bring about to a place where the knowledge of God fills the earth, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. That is to say that God can and does use hardship to bring about his glory. And it reminds us of, of who God is. And so Habakkuk has had this conversation with God and in chapter three, he prays and he sings. So if you look at verse one, it says a prayer of Habakkuk, a prophet according to Shaginoth, or Shaginoth. Uh, that word actually is a stringed instrument. It's a song. So he's singing to the Lord. He's rejoicing to God. And this is what he sings. This is what he prays. Lord, 
I've heard the report of you. Your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, I revive it. In the, in the midst of the years, make it known. Now, listen to this here carefully. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One, from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was filled, was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light, rays flashing from his hand. And there he veiled his power before him, went pestilence and plague, followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Go to verse 16. I hear my body trembles, my lips quiver. At the sound, rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of the Lord in the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Lord, we just ask, allow the wind and all the other little distractions that might exist outside to just be removed. That we would allow our hearts to be set upon you, to hear from you, to be molded in your image. And we trust that you'll do a great work in us this morning. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. Hey, just a little bit. We've got at least seven, I think, individuals that are being baptized this morning. So, um, yeah, you did I say you could be seated? Because you totally can do whatever you want. I'm not the boss here. Um, Jesus is. So, hey, so the prophet calls out to the Lord why essentially what he's asked. Lord, where's your justice? Why are you using the Chaldeans? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Lord, what will be the result? And Habakkuk's a little taken back. And God answers him and he begins to prayer. But let's just backdrop this a little bit. You know, again, in our nation, in our culture, the things that we're wrestling through, the things that we're seeing, the, the things that are, that are evil that are now called good, things that are, that are good that are now called evil. Uh, I was sharing with somebody this week uh, the reality of, if I can find it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Literally in chapter 2 of Corinthians, it says the natural person sees the things of the Lord as foolish and dumb. That is to say that someone who's not had a converting faith sees the gospel of Jesus, sees the gathering of the saints in a way that, that, that we can't explain. I said to someone this morning, uh, because on the heels of, of getting coronavirus, my wife got it, my kids got it, we were trying to take care of all four of my kids, basically... My kids sneezed like eight times, and then they were fine. And then my wife and I had eight days of just, it was rough. It was pretty hard, and we're still getting our energy back and all of that. And we've had a few people on the heels of that um, in our church get it, and then come to find out, uh, actually, there's been an outbreak in Truckee as a whole. And it's not just a seer Bible thing. It's not just a, a church thing. It's actually community widespread, and uh, a lot of individuals have had it and are, getting, are wrestling through it now. Most of them are on the tail end by God's grace. And uh, we've had a few older folks get it, and they're healing, and they're doing okay. But I've had a few people email me and essentially say, hey, maybe we need to rethink the way in which we approach ministry. Maybe we need to start uh, implementing some of the CDC restrictions. And, and my approach to that as I've been sick, because someone even asked me, well, now that you've been sick, are you going, you know, has your mind changed? It ha has your mentality changed towards uh, the way in which we do church? And, and I said, absolutely not. It changes nothing. And, and the reason for that is because <clears throat> being, being sick or even, God forbid, dying in this world does not change the promises of God for eternity. 
We do not place our hope in our physical well-being. We do not place our hope in a temporal world that is filled with suffering and pain. We place our hope on the gospel of Jesus Christ that promises us an eternity where our bodies will not get sick, tears will not be shed, there will be no more pain or suffering, it will be a large celebration of the kingdom of God. And God has called his people on this earth to live as if heaven is true today and not just in the future, amen? And so we place our hope in Christ. And it's worth us cycling through our own risk assessment of what we can and cannot do in order to worship the Lord. And I, I shared with someone this morning, I said, as long as the church continues to come, and as long as the, the people continue to support us, we will continue to provide a place for you to find hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're vulnerable, and if you're sick, we offer an online option, and we are there for you to deliver groceries, we are there to serve you, to love you, and to take care of you. But we cannot because Scripture calls us to not ever, ever neglect the gathering of the saints for something beautiful happens in this gathering. So um, the prophet's asking these questions. He's wrestling through how come and why, what are you going to do? And God answers. And essentially what we have is the prophet becomes captivated by God. He sings. In fact, the reason I read to you verse 16 if you go back, is, is essentially after he, he sings what I'll explain here in a moment, which we didn't read all of it, he says, I, my body trembles and my lips quiver. And he talks about in verse 3, the splendor of God covers the earth. He's, he's sharing with us at this point in the conclusion of struggling and wrestling with God that he's captivated by God. Now, let me ask you the, 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 this question this morning. Are you captivated by God? And if you're captivated by God, why are you captivated by God? And there's two ways in which individuals become captivated by God. They are horizontal and they are vertical. So there's, say it this way. Some of us become captivated by God because of what God does, the things that God does for us. So if you notice uh, in verses uh, 1 through 2, he says, I've heard the report of you. This is what the Lord has done. I've heard what you've done. I've seen what you've done in, in our midst. Uh, you've made it known. I see your wrath and I see your mercy, right? Now, a lot of times when someone starts to engage in church, they become captivated by God because of the things that God does for them. Now, that's not necessarily wrong in and of itself, right? Uh, some of us get into a relationship with Jesus because we want Jesus to do something for us. Hey, Lord, uh, I know that you can give me peace. I know that you're going to give me prosperity. In fact, when prosperity occurs, people have a tendency uh, to be really excited about, about who God is, the things that God does. So, so for years uh, before the coronavirus hit, there were all kinds of churches that were designed to give you great emotional feeling and great feedback. Tactile, I want to feel God. I want to sense God. I, I want to see what he's going to do for me. Lord, I'm hoping that, that you give me a good job. Some of us get a relationship with Jesus because we want him to give us a good job. Some of us get in a relationship with Jesus because we're hoping, we're hoping we'll find, find the right spouse, a good woman or a good man. In fact, I remember in San Diego when I was pastoring there, uh, there was a few guys that would come to the church, and they were single, and they would literally, because I knew these guys, they would literally walk through the aisles and look for pretty single ladies. And they would see them, and then they'd go sit next to them, 
And then we had, you know, those moments where we'd say, turn to your neighbor and say hello. And then here's the guy like, what's the, uh, what's that Disney cartoon or whatever? Hey. What cartoon is that? What is it? Oh, it's, yeah. It's through the Spider-Verse. Thank you. Hey. Right? If you're a single guy this morning, find a single gal, put your hand on her shoulder, just say, Hey. It's probably not going to go very well for you, but you can try. Oftentimes, we think God is good when God does good for us. Um, I hate to say it. I really do. Uh, but in the midst of some of our individuals in our church getting sick, they've questioned God. God, I'm sick. Why? I mean, God, I've done the right things. I don't understand why I've gotten this, this, this cold, this sickness. I've seen people go through trial and tribulation. I've seen it harden their heart. Lord, I question who you are because things are hard. My wife got cancer. Or Lord, I'm questioning why I've been fired. I mean, I, I've been a good employee. In fact, someone contacted me this week and recently several of the employees in their job gave a false report of this individual. This individual went through a, a basically an investigation and uh, he's had this job for probably about 10 years and they fired him off of false accusation. And if his faith wasn't in the right place, he could ask God, I've, I've shared my faith with my coworkers, which is probably why he was fired. God, I've been faithful in serving you. I've served the church and I, I'm now questioning who you are. We can become captivated by God when we think God is for us and we can become disillusioned with God if we think God is not for us. But the reality is, is that we should never be captivated by God because of what he does for us, but rather for who he is, for who God is. See, it's not about being captivated because God wants to do things for you. It's, it's being captivated by God because of his splendor, which is going to cover the earth. You know, the story of Martin Luther, who was part of the Reformation, was captivated by God in part because of God's holiness. He was captivated by God because God was this holy being that should be worshipped. And, and while Luther was a good Catholic boy, a good Catholic priest, he did all the things Catholicism told him to do. He prayed. He, he did all of the things with the icons you're supposed to do. He climbed stairs to uh, accomplish a relationship with God to the point that his knees were bloody. He prayed with great sacrifice. I mean, he... He was all for trying to be captivated by God, to earn God's love and favor. And he came to a place where he realized no matter how hard he worked to earn God's love and favor, it was never sufficient and it was never enough. There was never enough stairs to climb. There was never enough he could give to the church. There was never enough serving he could give to God. And he finally came to a place through reading the book of Galatians where he realized the gospel of, of grace that we're saved not by our works but by Jesus' good works and he came to this place where he became captivated by God, not because of the horizontalness of what God does, not because of what God does in this earth, but because of who he is. That's the vertical worship of God that we all should have. And Luther says, said it this way, I wish to devote my mouth and my heart to you. I will teach the people. I myself will learn and ponder diligently upon your word. Use me as your instrument, but do not forsake me. For if I ever should be on my own, if I should ever be on my own, I would easily wreck it all. I mean, that's where it's at. If we're not 
living with Christ, our life doesn't have the same kind of value, the same kind of worth. Pain and suffering do not make sense. Calvin actually says it this way, Christ was given to us by God's generosity to be grasped and possessed by faith. By partaking of him, we princely receive double grace. When Jesus gives us his grace, when he responds to us, when he, he, he leans into us, I, I can honestly tell you, as funny as it is, right, and it's just fresh on our minds, but, um, you know, being sick reminds you of your frailty, doesn't it? I mean, here, I, I'm a guy, I love lifting weights, uh, taking a little bit of pride in trying to be physical. Um, I, can't, I can't play football like I once did, right, because I break easier than I, I used to. But, man, my wife and I had eight days. We were the most fragile we've probably ever been. You could blow me over with a feather. And, uh, and, and what's, what was really fun for us was for eight days to basically be totally checked out of this world and to have four energetic kids, right? All who have the virus. So it's not like you can call up and be like, hey, Grandma, come watch the kids. Oh, by the way, they might kill you because <laughs> they have the virus. Like, we just had to do it, right? So, so our kids got a heavy dose of video games and movies. And you know what? You can judge me if you want, but that is the best babysitter we had at the time. And, and, and in those moments, I remember at one point in time, I had this body ache, and I was leaned over our kitchen counter before going to bed, and I was shaking. And Allie came down and said, do you need to go to the hospital? And I said, no, I just need to work through. But in those moments, we recognized that, that you know what? My body can't save me. My intellect can't save me. None of you could come and save me. And that's just a little virus. It's not cancer. It's not a debilitating thing. It's not a car accident. It's not getting paralyzed. But our physical body is not our salvation. We can't save ourselves. And Luther recognized that. And Habakkuk recognizes that. He, he, he realizes, basically, if you read this entire piece, and if you have time, I encourage you to do so initially, even for me, if I'm honest, as I read chapter 3, <clears throat> There's language in here that I didn't quite understand. Look at verse 5. Pestilence and plague. Verse 6, the hills sank low. Verse 8, your wrath was against the rivers. You stripped the sheath from your bow. The sun and moon stood in place. You marched through the earth in fury. I, I, I was reading all this. to say, what is this? You know what it is? What Habakkuk is doing is he's recounting the Exodus account. That's what these verses are. He's saying, okay, you know what? You know what? Everything's been very difficult and everything's been really hard. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to remember the gospel according to what I know. Right? Christ hasn't come up to this point. But the gospel is in the book of Exodus. And this is why this is so beautiful to me because it's just God's love. It's just God's kiss upon his church. Because last year we were outside and we went through the entire book of Exodus. And now we're outside in Habakkuk because he's reminding us of the book of Exodus. He's saying, God, in the midst of trial and tribulation, I remember the fact that, that you, you brought pestilence to release your people from the slavery of Pharaoh and you split open the Red Sea that we would exit out of that slavery and you brought us to a promised land. And God, we remember the gospel is what saves us. 
And so likewise, we come to this place where we recognize that the zeal and the passion that we have for God is not because he does great things for us other than the great thing of leading us out of the slavery of sin and the bondage of the culture and the bondage of the world. And God gives us a better life. And he leads us to this place and he says, I have brought you out of slavery. I have bought you and purchased you out of pain and shame. And I promise you, that there is a land filled with milk and honey that is already waiting for you, that I'm preparing for you. See, Habakkuk is saying, okay, Lord, I don't understand all of the pain. I don't understand all of it, God, but I do remember that you have led us out of ourselves and you've given us something more. And so we should have, because of this, a zeal and a passion that leads us to worship. What is zeal? Zeal is literally an attitude of running after the Lord. Church, I, I want to encourage you in this season to run after Jesus. What is passion? Passion is a, a heart that is absorbed by a love for God. Passion is I'm in love with you, Jesus. John Piper actually says we exist. Listen, we exist. Our, our purpose is to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all people through Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Come on now, there's an airplane in the sky, so let's just, let's just say it again. We exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all people through Jesus Christ. Are you captivated by God? Romans 12, 11 says, don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You know that word fervent literally means to boil, to bubble over. Um, how many of you would say you're a, um, you're a glass half empty guy? Any glass half empty people here? You don't want to admit it because you're at church. How many of you are a glass is half full? Right? You got optimist, pessimist. How many of you are a, psalm, a psalmist? Right? The cup isn't half full. The cup isn't half empty. But as the psalmist says, my cup overflows. You know, I, I've, I'm by and large, I, I used to tell people, I'm not a, I'm not a optimist. I'm not a pessimist. My wife will tell you, I've said this for years. I'm a realist. And then I was rebuked by understanding that God calls me and you to be a psalmist. The cup overflows. In the midst of hardship, my friends, in the midst of a culture that does not understand you and hates you and says that you're foolish, your cup is overflowing. How many of you here this morning, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your trial, whatever those trials have been, how many of you can look back on 2020 and say, if I really look and I look for the gospel and I look for where Jesus is, that my cup has overflowed in this season. Can I tell you that this last year has not been fun according to all the definitions of what the world's fun is, but I can tell you that my cup has overflowed because God is good and God is gracious. Someone asked me this morning, did you miss us? I said, I missed some of you. But you know what? Being here this morning, just being here, 
I just am so thankful to be back. Not because, of, not because I get the opportunity to preach, but because the Sunday mornings reminds me, the holiness of a Sunday morning reminds me, and I need that reminder in my marriage. I need that reminder as I raise children that Jesus fills my cup to overflowing. And it's not circumstantial. It's because of this vertical love I have for the Lord. Let me just talk about passion killers for a moment, though. Because sometimes we come into this place, we say, yeah, you know, and, and here's the hope. I mean, ultimately, the hope is that as you're praying, as the prophet prays, and as, as I'm sharing God's word with you, that your, your cup would overflow, that you'd find within you that, yeah, you know what, I want to be here on Sundays because it fills my passion, it fills my cup to overflowing. I want to sing to the Lord. I, I want to be dedicated to my faith with God because it fills my cup. You, you, can, I, can we just be really honest and say the culture does a really crummy job filling your cup? Can we, ju can we just say that the, the culture fails to deliver on every single level? Right? It promises you so much and it delivers so little. In fact, it enslaves you. Have you looked for hope in your job? Have you looked for hope in your marriage? Have you looked for hope in your kids? Have you looked for, for hope in your president? Have you looked for hope in your politics? Guess what? They don't save you. They don't make the world a better place. What makes the world a better place is a proclamation of God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's compassion, God's love. But what kills that passion? You know, why, you know why this is important, this idea of having passion for God? Because in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus actually literally says, because you're lukewarm, he says you're not hot, you're not cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Right? Jesus would rather you just turn your back on him uh, than to pretend like somehow you've got some kind of you know, pretend faith. Right? The, what I'm hoping for, what, what I love, absolutely love about the season that we're in is it's forcing the church do you really believe? Are you going to be committed to your faith? Or are you going to let the culture keep you away from worshiping Jesus the way that we've been called to? What are you going to do with your faith? Real churches, you know what's happening with real churches? They're growing. You know what's happening with churches that are lukewarm? They're dying. And their pastors are quitting. I'm just telling you, I'm... I'm in a circle where I sit on a board of over 100 churches in Nevada, California, Utah, and Hawaii. And unfortunately, there are many men, many women in ministry. In the last year, the culture has bled into the church, and these churches are dying. I don't want that to be true for you and I, do you? Um, here's some things that kill our passion. Number one, a lack of scriptural understanding. You just lack understanding the word, you lack understanding of what's in the Bible, and you lack the ability to, to say, no matter what's happening, I'm still going to strive to understand the word of God. None of us have an excuse to misunderstand the word of God. Do you know that? The only excuse you have is you're lazy. You have all the resources in the world. You've got Bible Project YouTube videos. You've got sermonettes. You've got podcasts. You've got eBooks. You've got real books. Do you remember real books? Seriously, I got one right here. Look, it's a real book. It's made out of, I think, I think it's made out of a thing called trees or something. This has leather on it. It's made out of a cow, so that's cool. It's real. You have real books, and if you don't like real books, and you're like, <coughs> excuse me, I, I can't, 
you can, you can listen to an audiobook. You've got commentaries upon commentary. If, if you need a resource, just come ask one of the pastors. We'll give them to you, but we lack understanding. In fact, Romans 15, 4 says, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures that we might have hope. So in order for us to have passion, we must have understanding for scripture. Number two, some of us don't believe we all have the same access to God. Like there's an idea out there that somehow I'm closer or I have an ability as a pastor to be closer to you, to, uh, closer to Jesus than you. Which is why, why one of the things about being out here on Sunday mornings, which is so great, is I get to wear sandals and shorts and a shirt, and it's a little more acceptable. And you get to see that I'm actually covered in these very permanent markings. Do you see them? Can you believe a pastor has tattoos? Some of you are like, I've been here for years, Jess. I don't care. I remember when I first came on staff here. It's been 15 years. I don't know if you remember this, Brad. I had a few people email me when I first came. I can't believe you have tattoos. I'm like, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do about it? And then uh, just to remind them that I know that I'm saved by grace, I got more. <laughs> to remind them I was saved by grace, I got a tattoo. The logic is completely airtight, trust me, on that one. Um, but we all have access to God. This is why, unfortunately, in Catholicism, they believe that we have priests. We pray to Mary or the saints. This is why we put up pastors as celebrities, and then we're shocked when they fall. This is why we have some religions that knock on doors and some that, that, that are striving to find access to God as Luther did. And the reality is, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have access to the Lord. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We've all become like one who's unclean. All our righteous do deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, take us away. Even your good deeds are not good enough. It has to come down to Jesus. Here's number three. Sometimes the third reason that we do not um, have passion for the Lord is we don't really think that we need God. We just really, I mean, what we would say is, yeah, you know, you, you believe in, you say you believe in Jesus, but you're actually what we would say, we would call a functional atheist. Isaiah actually says it this way, some trust in chariots. That's a way to say, you know, I, I don't need Jesus because I got a really good savings account, got a good retirement fund. Uh, I don't need Jesus because, well, I've earned my way here. In fact, I know of a guy who literally told us he's a, he's a pharmacist, and uh, he, he actually moved here uh, from out of country, didn't speak any English, worked his way through college on his own without speaking English, ended up becoming a pharmacist making a lot of money, bought a couple pharmacies, uh, has done really, really well for himself. And when we've had conversations with him about, well, would you ever be in a relationship with Jesus? He basically said, said this, why would I need a relationship with Jesus? Everything I have, I've earned. I did it. I came over here. I worked hard. I got the education. I put the work in. I earned the money. Why would I need God? Who fills your lungs with air, my friends? Who fills your body with blood? Who gave you a heart? What does scripture say in regards to forming you in your mother's womb? Everything we have is not because of your hard work. And God bless you if you're a hard worker. We need more of you. 
but that doesn't earn your salvation. That doesn't get you to heaven, right? At some point, you have to become filled with gratitude because Jesus has given you the ability to live on this earth that you would come to know him. And ultimately, salvation is rooted in admitting that you have need, that you need something bigger than yourself. You need something beyond yourself. Some of us just don't think we need the Lord because we're trusting in chariots. Here's number four. The gospel never took root in you. In fact, in, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells of a parable of the seed that's the gospel, and some of it lands in different kinds of, sto- of, of soil. And he says in that soil, some, some of those seeds are stolen by the devil. Some of those seeds go away because of the hardships of the world. And some of those seeds don't become implanted in the gospel for eternity. And literally, Jesus says, because the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life choke out the seed. You know why our economy kind of crashing and being weird is a good thing? To remind you as an American that your salvation is not in your riches and it is not in the pleasures of the world. Your salvation is not in Netflix. It's not in popping in popping drugs. It's not getting drunk. And if if you allow those things to be the center of your life, it says it'll choke out your relationship with the Lord. So as C.S. Lewis says, you've heard this quote before, I'm sure. C.S. Lewis says, it would seem that God does not find our desires not too strong, but too weak. He says, we're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. What if God is bigger than any of the other things that the world has to offer you? I'm here to tell you he is. You forget how good God is on Monday. And then all of a sudden something happens on Saturday or Friday and you think, I'm going to kill somebody if I don't get to church by Sunday. Right? You need ways to remind yourself of the goodness of God. And this is what he's doing. It's what Habakkuk is doing in this book. He's reminding the people. He led you out of Israel, my friends. And for those of us in the New Testament, he's led you out of your sin. He reminds us in verse 5 of chapter 3, God's appearing to Moses and the faithful reminders of God leaving them out of the slavery of Pharaoh. And then lastly, in verse 16, go to verse 16 of chapter 3. I hear and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones, my legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Quietly wait. That is a call for us to rest, relax, and wait for the day of the Lord. Do you want justice in this world? I do. But it's not coming yet. It's going to come. And there's a piece of us that as we rest and relax in God, that we show the world, you know what? Man, I really wish the church over this last year has not replicated the panic of the culture. You know, the church is to never panic. 
The church is to never be dismayed. I mean, it's one thing for us to be like, you know, man, I know people are getting sick and they're in the hospital, but we're not dismayed. What's going to happen when the day comes when they're dragging us out into the fields and they're killing us for our faith? What, what are you going to respond? This is, this is just a small test. If, you, if you've panicked in the last year, repent of your panic and rest in the promises of God. You don't live for this world. You don't live for the passions of this world. That's what we echo to eternity. We don't care about what the culture offers us. Jesus offers us more, better. And because of that, we rest in God. And we're not fretting and we're not worrying. And then lastly, we serve. Because there's no better way to build that passion and there's no better way to increase your love for God than to serve. As Romans said earlier, don't be slothful in zeal. Serve the Lord. Don't be lazy. This is not a time for us to retreat in our faith. It's a time for us to engage in our faith and to press in because the days are going to grow darker. And you know what happens as the days grow darker? The light of the gospel shines in brighter contrast, doesn't it? We have something the world wants. And guess what? I know some of you are here this morning. And some of you are here because you know this and you want to be reminded of it. And some of you are here because, because you've felt it and sensed it, but you haven't yet totally released yourself to, the, to Christ. And in, in my last few comments, I want, to, I want to invite all of those of you who are going to be baptized this morning. Could you just come up here and stand on, the, on my left and my right for me? So if you're going to be baptized, come on up. I know... I know how this is for some of you. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm in the front. And it's, I know it's nerve-wracking for some of you, but this is it. And I wore this shirt on purpose. This was a gift uh, from someone in the church. I don't know, you probably can't, can't read it. It says, I'm taking off my grave clothes. And that's what baptism is a representation of. That, that the grave clothes of this world, the grave clothes of this life, the old self, the old sinner, the old man is laid to death with Jesus. And as these individuals come out of the water, the new man, the grave clothes are taken off and the righteousness of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God is clothed over you. The water washes over you as the love of God washes over you and for for each of you that are about to go into this water when you come out and you feel that water that water blankets you and it's a representation of the love of jesus christ covering you his love for you his newness for you his new beginning and here's what i want to do as well as, as we partake in these baptisms if while i'm doing these baptisms and we're singing if you want to come and proclaim your faith to your family this morning, we've got towels for you. It's sunny enough. You'll dry off. You can lay out over here, whatever it takes. In fact, you know, we, we, did, a, we did a blessing for you guys. We filled this with water from uh, the building that's nice and warm. We didn't want you to freeze. And um, this is them proclaiming to you that they believe in Jesus. Do you guys believe Jesus Christ has died for your sins? That he has washed you clean and he's forgiven you? Do you believe that? 
you have an opportunity, and I've had a chance to chat with each of these individuals. Their stories, some of their stories are pretty beautiful and pretty amazing. I get to baptize my cousin Halen here this morning. So she looks like me, but a lot prettier. This is Halen. And uh, I get to baptize her this morning. I, I rode my e-bike home last night in the dark, and my aunt told me that if I got hurt on the ride home because I was baptizing our daughter, she would kill me. Well, I made it. So we're going to sing some songs here. Uh, Deborah's prepared something special uh, while I baptize each of these individuals. And this is celebration, so please celebrate with them. And if for some reason you're out here in the crowd this morning, today is the day of salvation. You want to give your life to Jesus, there's nothing that hinders you. In fact, one of the gals up here this, this morning asked me, um, do you think I'm ready to be baptized? And I told her the story of Philip the Evangelist coming across the path. Do you remember the story in the book of Acts? With an Ethiopian eunuch, a man who previously never worshipped God before. He's basically walking through the desert, this eunuch who does not know God. And Philip, who's come in contact with Jesus, comes across this path and he says, Mr. Mr. Ethiopian eunuch, what are you reading? And in this man's hands is the scroll of Isaiah that proclaims the gospel. And Philip says to him, you're reading the scriptures, these holy scriptures. Do you know what it says? And this eunuch says, I don't. I really wish someone would explain it to me. And Philip says, what is in here is a story of a man from Jerusalem. His name is Jesus. He's God. And he came from heaven to earth to die for your sins, that you would have a passionate relationship with him for eternity. Mr. Eunuch, do you want a relationship with Jesus? Yes. You know, Mr. Eunuch, that at this point you should be baptized. And the eunuch says, what keeps me from being baptized? And Philip says, all we need is water. Oh, and there's some right here. Let's, let's do this. That you would proclaim to the world that you believe in the goodness of Jesus. If that's you this morning, just come. No shame, no worry, no judgment, because everyone here has made that proclamation for the most part as well. Let's do this.
hands for who you are and everything you've done. Oh, I know what I'm reaching for. I know what I'm reaching for. I'm reaching for you. I'm reaching for you. Oh, I know what I'm living for. I know what I'm living for. I'm living for you. I'm living for you. Thank you. 
Amen. Let's sing this, I believe. the key there. Wrong key. <laughs> All right. Let's sing our creed. This I believe. Our Father everlasting. Our Father everlasting. The all-created one. God Almighty, through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus our judge and our defender suffered and crucified forgiveness is in you Ascended into darkness, you rose in glorious light, forever seated high. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, hallelujah. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe. Christ is Lord. Let's sing that again. Let me hear you up here. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. 
I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Um, just make you aware there's a few other individuals who've expressed interest in baptism. And if you want to do this on another Sunday, if that happens to be you, just reach out to me. Uh, this is a pretty easy setup for us to do. Give the Lord a round of applause for his faithfulness, his goodness, and, and just God is good. And I don't know if we have another song. Or we got one more song, so let's worship. Love you guys. Appreciate you. It's great to be back. And uh, keep being faithful and passionate for the Lord. Amen. Let's sing goodness of God one more time. I want you guys singing that in your heart on your way home today or out to lunch or wherever you're going. Remember his goodness. In spite of the things we go through in this broken world, he is good and he is faithful. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice, I love your voice you have led me through the fire in the darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived with the goodness of God. Oh, all my life. And all my life. 
faith yes and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God sing it out now your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down i'm surrendered now i give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down i'm surrendered now i give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me and all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God hey. and all my life you have been faithful yes you have and all my life you have been so so every breath that I am able oh I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God oh I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God oh I will sing of the goodness of God hallelujah Lord we love you Lord Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. There is fellowship time. So go ahead and uh, grab something to eat and enjoy each other's company. God bless you.